answer these questions. The first question, let me read the question out first. I need to forgive a loved one, a loved one for a serious betrayal uh, of my trust. Is there a chance I can use to facilitate my forgiveness? It is really compassionate that you initiate this sentence saying, I need to forgive a loved one. It's very difficult to forgive. Right now, because you have come to the temple, you have learned about the Buddhist teaching, you learn to let go of your grievances, to let go of the idea that you have been mistrusted, you have been, I mean, you have been um, uh, mistreated by uh, your loved ones. To forgive is extremely good. Then you can let go of the hatred in you. But how do we do this? Because he betrayed you at some time, and you were extremely, you suffer extremely. You you have suffering since then, and you you, you couldn't forget about it until now. You, we would like to forget it and let it go, and that is extremely good. Is there a chant I can use to facilitate my forgiveness? Is there a chant? C H A N T. That means you're chanting something. So you can actually chant and initiate that as a supplementation for you in your wisdom to forgive. And you can also initiate that if your loved one is it's, it's downgraded in a certain level because of the betrayal, you can use this chanting to elevate your loved ones so that he can be better. If, he, if he's still alive, then maybe he'll be, get more wiser. If he's passed away already, then he can an elevation to a higher realm. So you can do the same chant as we have been chanting. So do you still remember the chant that we have? It's Nam Mo Amitavva. You prostrate on his behalf to the Buddha. So you chant Nam Mo Amitavva. The five chant. You prostrate. You get up again. You prostrate. You get up again. And maybe do one hour. Can you do one hour? You can do 33 bow frustrations in half an hour, approximately. So one hour you do about, say, 60 or 70. And maybe do 100. And dedicate to, to, um, to the forgiveness. Dedicate that to your loved one so that he, he will be better. He will be elevated to a higher realm. But anyway, it's extremely good for you to forgive. It's very difficult to forgive. People only accumulate the revengeful attitude. Nobody wants to be betrayed in, for example, I'm just giving an example. Nobody wants to be betrayed in an adultery. Nobody wants to be like that. Remember, the whole world is a world of two dimensions, if we talk about it with simple terms. Time and space. We cling to time. We're attached to the past. We're attached to the future. We worry about the future. We're attached to the past by try to remember the past from memory. Your memory creates the past and then you hang on to it 
you get grievances about it, you hate it because your memory created. Now you want to forsake that memory. No more of that kind of memory, forgiveness. You don't try to remember that. Every time when that idea comes up that you're betrayed, throw away that memory. Don't let it linger on. Every time you remember how you were treated in that situation, you're betrayed, throw away that idea. The past will not come back. Let the past be gone. Let bygone be bygone. Don't bring back your miserable past from your memory and then attach onto it and then agonize about it. And don't worry about the future. Recreate the future from imagination. Don't create any fear. Don't create any anxiety. Don't create any depressive attitude because the, the future hasn't come. Why do you want to be anxious about it? Why do you want to perplexed about it? Why do you want to be to worry about it? So there's no past. Let go of the past. There's no future. Don't let go of the future. But don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't plan for the future. I said let go of your anxiety, your fear, your disappointment, your jealousy about the future. But you plan on the future. You learn from the past. But you don't agonize on the past. You learn your experiences from the past. Because you've been betrayed. Have you pondered about why you're being betrayed? Have you cultivated some causes that lead to the betrayal? Are you responsible for the betrayal? Are you responsible for your loved one betraying you? You learn from the experiences, but you don't attach to it. You don't let it happen anymore. When I say let go of the future, I don't mean that you drop your plan. You still have your agenda for the future. You have a lot of confidence for the future. Confidence to do good. Confidence to accumulate your merit. Confidence to be successful in what you're doing. The right course. The right way. Don't plan the, don't plan the future to harm someone. Plan your future to benefit someone. To benefit the society. To benefit yourself. To supplement your wisdom to a higher level. You can always plan. But don't worry. You can always learn from your past experiences. But don't hate. You understand what I mean? Alright. Okay. That's enough for this question. I don't want to linger on. You know my habit. Poor habit. <laughs> I like to linger on and on and on. Making sure that you understand. But then you're intelligent enough to understand all this. Venerable, to expand on a point in your lecture this morning, why are we humans attracted to things that cause us suffering? Which part of you is being attracted to suffering? You tell me. Your hands? Your body? Which part of you are being attracted? Or which part of you attached to the suffering? Not your eyes, not your nose, not your ears. What's that part that... that that you attach to suffering, your mind. Let's talk about the mind. We can't talk about our mind in an hour, but we can briefly say something about the mind in one or two minutes. What is this mind? This mind is primarily in two parts. One part is the thinking mind or the reasoning mind, and the other part is the emotional mind. And Freud said, this thinking mind 
Freud called it the ego, the reasoning mind. This emotional mind, Freud called it it, ID it. And these two minds, the emotional mind and the thinking mind, they work in conjunction with each other. And they're always in conflict. They're always in conflict. Let me give you an example. You have a friend, you know that friend. And he has been your colleague for a long time. And you heard the rumors that your friend is tattletelling behind your back. He wanted, he wanted to be a supervisor. You, you, you and, your, and your colleague is struggling for that position as a supervisor, but he wants to pull you down. And he spread the rumor about you. He said that you're dishonest. You said that you're, you're terrible in your work. Your performance is bad. He tell a lot of bad things about you. He's tapping your back, so to speak. Not with a knife, with words, with mouth. And then you were so infuriated. You don't want that to happen. And one day he walked into the office and he insinuated something again. And you heard that insinuation with your ears. So your ears heard that. And when your ears heard that, you get emotional because your emotional mind is working. How come this guy is talking to me, is spreading the rumors like that? How come this, this guy is treating me like that? I want to get even with him. I want this time, I'm not going to let him go. So you, you, you get emotional. You want to fight, you want to quarrel. You want to do something about it. You want to revenge. And then you said, oh, no, 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 I'm in an office. I don't want to do this because if that happened, it would be terrible. So then your reasoning mind works. Your thinking mind works. But then on second thought, you say, no, this guy, I can't stand anymore. I'm going to quarrel with him. I'm going to bring up to the boss. So the whole issue was brought up to the boss, and then everybody got so unhappy about it. And finally, the two guys were laid off because you were quarreling on job site. What happened? What's the result of all this? Because the emotional mind and the thinking mind always work in conjunction with each other. And if the thinking mind and the emotional mind are in conflict, which mind usually wins? It's the emotional mind that usually wins. That's the reason why we got into troubles. That's the reason why your beloved one, your loved one, betray you. Because his reasoning mind is out of place at that time. He was so emotional attached to his loved one. He didn't think about the confidential trust between you and him when you signed that merry contract, that bondage to, bond, to bind each other. He didn't care about it anymore. He forgot, the, he forgot about the oath that you take, take care of each other. He forgot about all that because his reasoning mind didn't work. So you know that your emotional mind is always working and you asked me that question. Expand on the point in your lecture this morning, why are we attracted to things that cause us suffering? Because you, your mind, attached to your environments. But your, when your, mind, your mind react to it with emotion. When your mind is agitated, when your environment attracts you, say when your eyes, when you, when you are a guy and you look at a woman and that woman is beautiful and then you say, and then your eyes look at, look at, a, at a beautiful woman, for example, and then that stimulates your body and then say, oh, this is lovely, this is beautiful. That stimulates you in your mind and your mind sends hormones down 
to create certain thing in your body and you get stimulated and everything the more stimulation you get the more you will you will do that kind of adultery or whatnot because you react to environment you react to it now how do you react to it your eyes react your, your ears react your nose react your tongue react your body touch react every time you are reacting to your environments with emotions and you don't realize that you don't know about it and that is called reaction because that is an action and you read to it that's a reaction and reaction brings bad consequences Freud call sensual pleasure is a release of tension that release get you into trouble you don't need it you just accumulate all these things together and you thought you need it what is responding responsibility because you respons res with, with responsibility know that you shouldn't react in the office with emotion so can you choose every time when you get emotional can you choose to respond and not to react you know the difference between the two if you don't know the difference between the two raise your hand so you should you know the difference between the two from now on don't react to emotion respond with reason but every thinking mind is different you know they get more detail in the mind what do we do after we have put our mental garbage outside the door oh that's a good question so what do you do after you about um, well, well you'll pick it up later when you get when you leave for sure <laughs> you know what garbage bag will contain that garbage bag before meditation would you visualize and contain all the garbages of what jealousy hatred fraudulence envy arrogance greediness you, you have all kinds of mental garbage in that bag that you tossed out but when you leave I'm sure you pick it up again and put it in your, in your mind again won't prolong maybe for one or two minutes you forget about it so don't worry about that garbage in there you will, you will take it away with you <laughs> I never worry about that does being a monk or none interfere with your own meditation and practice do the restrictions prevent helping yourself and others does being a monk interfere with your own meditation and practice and that's a very good question it just say if you always want to be a teacher you spend so much time in teaching that you don't have any time for yourself that's tr if that's true there was a, a very high level monk in the Tang Dynasty or earlier than the Tang Dynasty, at his juncture of death, a disciple asked, Most venerable master, um, what level have you achieved? In other words, you're passing from this world. What level you have achieved in your wisdom level? Have you enlightened yet? That is to say, have you enlightened yet? If you have enlightened, what level are you now at? And then the, the venerable master said, because I have to teach, I have to lead the congregations, my level is at the fifth level. <coughs> if I hadn't been teaching, my level would be at the 10th level. But it's worth it. And then it's gone. Because as a Buddhist you want to give. 
You don't want to say, I only want to benefit myself in my enlightenment. He wants to give. He wants to let all sentient beings be enlightened. Not just for himself. Imagine if you are living on top of a mountain in Shaanxi. Shaanxi is flat, but I'm just giving you an example. If you're living on, uh, in, in, in Shaanxi with a, with a high level on a slope, your, your, your mansion is on top of a mountain. But as you walk down the slope, all these are squatter poor houses. All these poor guys are living in these squatter houses and they're suffering. And you, in that great big mansion, would you live happily in that mansion? If you're a Bodhisattva, you would not. Because how can you stand seeing people suffering, whereas you yourself enjoying a big mansion in the Sanasi area? You want everybody to be in Sanasi. You want everybody to be in the higher realm. That's a Bodhisattva. You don't want to say, I want to be the only person who is better. Most people are like that. They want to be better than the others. They always want to stand out as better. They want to stand out as the one that has more reputation, more fame, more wealth, more wealth. You listen to some, some telephone conversation. There's a household lady calling up another friend. Oh, where have your son been? Have your son been admitted to UPC? Oh, your son hasn't been. Oh, my son has been. <laughs> they always want to compare. They always want to think that the other guy is not as good as him. They always think that the other, the other son is not as good as his own son. That's the deficiency of human character. So interfere with uh, meditation and practice? Yes, I know. It would interfere with my practice. But I think it's, it, it's worth it. And, and I think that by giving out, I learn too. I think the teachers learn at the same time with the students. Teaching is learning. So I learn a lot by, by just talking about the, the Buddhist Sutra. I never have that thought in my mind that I'm standing at a higher position as a teacher telling you. I always stand in the, in, in, in the level that I'm researching it with you. Because I have to talk to you, I have to think about it. You are my teacher because you teach me to think. Because you pressurize me to think. I like to work under pressure. If there's no pressure, there's, 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 there's no work. I like to be pressurized that, oh, I'm going to give a lecture on Saturday. I've got to prepare myself. But more and more, I, I, I didn't have time to prepare myself. I just do impromptu speaking. That's not good. I should, I should prepare myself in doing this. Does the restrictions prevent helping your, yourself and others? And so restrictions prevent people from helping others. But I'm thinking of one day, I'll go into hermit. <laughs> I, I, I go into hermit for three years, just doing my own meditation, not teaching anymore. Because there will be someone, there will be people who knows how to teach. Hey, Lee can do the teaching, right Lee? You can do the teaching then I can, I, can, I can be a hermit and practice on my own. I'm waiting for that day. I have a dream. <laughs> I have a dream that I, one day I don't have to do any more of this daily routines. Then I don't have to supervise. I don't have to manage. Then I can be free for meditation. Yes? I think I have given enough. Because, you know, 
if I have $100 in my pocket and I've given it out, do I need to accumulate some more in my pocket? I need to accumulate more wisdom so that I can teach more. I already have given out $100. I got nothing in my pocket anymore. So how can I give? So you have to allow the professor to educate himself for more teaching. But professor is always learning as a life, lifelong experience. The professor is learning at the same time. That's what I think. So one day, they didn't see me anymore in here. I'm probably a, a hermit in, uh, in Grouse Mountain. Yeah. Next question. Upon death, how long is it before one is reincarnated or arrives in the pure land? How long? When a person dies, usually we call that an average human being would go through a bardo stage. B-A-R-D-O, bardo stage, is usually for 49 days. So in other words, in a bardo stage, is, there is a period in which his karmic energy is undecided. And he himself is also undecided as to where to go. So he's still roaming around. And so when a person passes away, the first 49 days, he may be still around. You just can't see him anymore. He's still around. And if you're always grief-stricken, you're always crying, then that makes him very unhappy. That makes him cry too. So the best is to chant and to discuss it with him, say, um, let go. Let go of your body. Your body is a corpse, no more of the body. And let go of all this relationship of you to your family. We're all taken care of. We, we can resolve your issues. We can uh, arrange your house to be sold. We can arrange your deposit box to be distributed fairly to all your daughters and sons. Don't worry about it. There are, there are people who, because of a diamond ring in this deposit box, could not reincarnate. Because at the juncture of death, she's still thinking, I got a 10 carats diamond ring in my deposit box and I forgot to give this key to my daughter. Because at that time, I didn't know which daughter I should give the key to, because they are struggling for my ring. So I didn't know, but now I couldn't speak anymore. This ring is gonna benefit the bank, because no one has, to, has the key to that deposit box. That diamond ring pulls her down. We're still wandering around maybe for years to come because of that diamond ring. You see, the, you, see, you see how people attach? Or he could have a house that hasn't been sold. So make sure that you tell the person who passes away, don't worry about anything. We'll handle your estate for you. We'll distribute your estate for you. We'll resolve your problems. Don't worry about it. Go to where you should go. Go to the pure land. And then he will be leaving his body. Otherwise, he will be just hanging around. So the bardo stage is usually 49 days. And after the 49 days, they have the energy will pull them to, to where they should belong to. And sometimes I read in, uh, in books and sutras that after the 49 days, there are security guards who go around looking for people who go astray. So in other words, it's just like policemen. Policemen are always on the road looking for people who are, who are fugitive. <laughs> right? They, they, some people are wanted because they should have been they should reincarnate somewhere else, and they are loose. <laughs> they get loose, 
And the policeman is always at this, this computer. Here's, there's a guy driving that, and I suspect him, or maybe he's a, someone who's, who, who is a fugitive, and then he key into the, in, in, into the computer and said, oh, there's a license plate. Okay, I'm going to stop him. So the security guard. Is that what happened, Brian? Pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> It's a policeman, a retired policeman. I've left all that. You've done all that, yeah. Past You've done, life. Yeah, the past life, you'll have all that. So, uh, so that person, after 49 days, he still won around, then he's in, 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 could probably in the ghost ram. So how long, we don't know, it depends on that person. But if you do chanting and, and by communicating to him, mind-to-mind -mind communication, he will listen to you and he would, he, would go some, he would go where he should belong to. If we belong to vicious rams, like the hell ram, the animal ram, and the ghost ram, then you do chanting to elevate him. That's what we have just done. Uh, you know, we have 30 or 40 people prostrating and chanting Namo Amitabha for, for Mr. Core Debate. And I hope that Core Debate will know where to go. He will be happy. And he already have that cause. And in his next life, if he couldn't go to the Pure Land, he would accumulate enough merits to learn the Buddhist teaching. And he would accumulate enough merits for for good future, for good reincarnations. Don't worry about it, family members. Um, you try your best, and we, as members of your of your of the meditation class, have contributed our efforts to uh, conscientiously chant for him, and he should have a good elevation. <laughs>